Welcome to Seeds of Hope. Listen now to this encouraging and uplifting message of faith and trust in our Lord, shared by Father Mike Moore. Isn't it conventional wisdom that if you're going to aim high, have a big goal, you need to make big choices? Isn't that what everybody would mostly say? And yet consistently, all the way through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, God doesn't work that way. Oh, the goal is incredibly high in all of those stories. But God chooses small. When he picks Abraham, it's not a very strategic choice to be the father of the nation. He and Sarah are way past childbearing years. Makes no sense. He picks Moses to be the one to lead the people out of Israel. We hear in the Bible that Moses had a stuttering problem. Why would you pick him to be the one to negotiate with the Pharaoh? Jeremiah says, wait, 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 I'm way too young for this prophetic stuff. God picks him. Yeah, over and over and over again. And then when God comes to save the world, talk about a, a high aim. He starts out in little Bethlehem. When he picks those who are going to spread the message after he's resurrected, he takes the 12 as he's ascending. Just these 12 go out to all the world. It doesn't flow the way we would normally do things. God picks the little. And so here's another story. All these people are coming from everywhere to be with Jesus. This story is in every one of the four Gospels. A lot of stories are not on all four, but this one is in every single Gospel, and the details are very close in every story. And every one of them mentions it's 5,000 people. That's a big crowd. Why are they coming? The evangelist John says they're coming because they have seen the signs that he's done in curing the people who are sick. They want to see him more. They want to hear him more. They're hungry for his presence. So there's the lofty game. He's got all these people. He wants to teach them. And being Jewish, also true in many other cultures, it's a big thing to be hospitable. The first thing he thinks about, probably taught by his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, how are we going to feed these people? There's many of you here who would think the same thing, right? If somebody came to your house unexpected, the first thing you would think of is how are we going to feed them something? Now, too bad that Peter couldn't go out with a New York whistle. You put these two fingers together and you put it under your tongue. He needed a whistle like that to flag down a public semi to be able to feed these people. So he could come to the Lord and say, hey, I got one. Bakery, produce, deli, they got it all in that truck. That's what it would have taken. Now, what do they have? Little. And that's the point when they find out who's got anything. It's a boy. It's not a man. Talk about little one. It's a boy, and in their culture, 
children did not have the exalted status that they might have in ours. He was just a boy. And what's he got? Five barley loaves. Barley loaves is a very coarse, unleavened bread. So don't be thinking big loaf. You could almost call it a wafer. It's very inexpensive to buy. It was really the bread for the poor. And he has two fish. And there again, we're not thinking grouper. These are sardines. So he's got five wafers of bread and two sardines. And it's a boy. It's the typical God pattern for starting something huge. And Jesus takes that, blesses it, breaks it, and there's enough for everyone. He feeds that whole crowd and there's 12 baskets left over. Now this is the beginning of John 6, as we're gonna hear in the next weekends. The evangelist is leading us into a, a beautiful theology and understanding of how important the Eucharist is. Jesus is gonna teach about himself becoming the body and blood of eternal life. But it starts in a little way, just like he always does. Now, has this ever happened to you in your life? Because the other three Gospels, there's a different phrase there. When all the people are there, Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat. And they don't have anything until they find these few things. And then God does amazing things. Have you ever felt him calling you like that? And you might have said, no, 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 I can't do that. Look how big that issue is, I can't do that. I'll tell you one for me, because if I'm gonna ask you to reflect on your life, I need to share one from my life. When I was a young priest up in Tarpon Springs, I wasn't the pastor. And I would go do my Friday communion calls. And I had a number of people on the list, and as I visited them, I saw they had lots of needs. And they would tell me about their other needs. They would say, you know, I'm by myself. I'm asking my neighbors to help me with getting groceries, but I don't want to wear them out. Or you'd have a couple. One is ill, and the spouse is the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week caretaker. They never get a break. Their kids are up north. I, and I felt for them, and I knew that, that they had lots of needs, that there was only some way that we could help them out from our parish. But I remember exactly where I was driving in my car and talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't do anymore. I got so much I'm doing now, I cannot, I can't do all those things for all those people. So I told the Lord, if you want something to happen, you're going to have to show me how. Now, God's time works in mysterious ways. He didn't show me immediately. It was about a year or a year and a half later. A woman walked into my office, and she said, Father, I'm retiring, and I'd like to work full-time for the church. No pay. I want to volunteer. And she had her idea about what she wanted to do, and it was a great idea, but I told her what happened to me in that car. And she said, that sounds perfect. 
She was a very compassionate woman. She had the time. She was good at working with people. So we put out an announcement in the bulletin, and this is where I thought of this story because it's like a multiplication of loaves. I've never had this happen before in any other program I've ever done. She puts out a notice in the bulletin and said, we wanna have this respite service for the elderly in our community. If you've got some time to volunteer, to do, do a grocery run, take one somebody to the, to the doctor, maybe sit with a, a person so their spouse can get out for a few hours, could you please volunteer? Within three weeks, we had 90 volunteers. I've never seen that kind of response before or since. Yeah, that for me, that was one of those moments. He came and asked me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how we were gonna do this. But when God gets involved, great things happen. So he's saying to all of us here, because we're never too old to feed someone else, either with our prayers or a donation or lots of places here are looking for volunteers, you know, when things are normal to help out people. I knew one woman, she makes sandwiches every week and she goes to the park where the homeless are. She spreads out the lunches. She heard the call. You feed them. There's a danger. I look for this danger in my life too. I don't want my prayer to become like this, with my hands over my ears. And I'm talking to God, and I'm sharing with God all the things I need, but I'm not hearing anything back because I've got my hands over my ears. I don't want to hear anything back that you want me to do. We would never say that out loud, but I watch for that in my life. Am I spending enough time listening? Am I really hearing you, Lord? What do you want me to do? Let me conclude with this little story that I heard years ago. It's challenging to me. And perhaps it might be challenging to you too. It's about a missionary. I don't remember what country he was in. He had a Jeep. And he was going from where he was at his home base to another village. And he brought along for the ride a can of Coca-Cola because it was gonna be a ride and he wanted to have something to quench the thirst on the way. As he's driving along, out of the bush come two boys, obviously brothers. One's higher, one's lower in size. He stops the Jeep and they ask him, do you have anything to drink? We haven't had a drink in a long time. So he's thinking to himself, oh man, it's my only Coke. I wish I'd brought another. But he decides he's gonna sacrifice and he gives the can of Coke to the older brother, the taller one, who opens it and gives it to his younger brother. And the younger brother drinks the whole thing. And the bigger brother wanted him to do it because they were so thirsty and he was younger and he needed more nourishment. Well, that missionary went back to the rest of the trip thinking to himself, Oh my gosh, I thought I was so big and mighty, sacrificing my Coke. Here's this brother who's got nothing to drink. And he hears really Jesus' words in a way, right? I mean, his heart, you feed them. And he gives that to his brother. 
I think about that story all the time, especially when I think I can't do anything. He'll give us the way. He'll give us the power. He'll show us how we can feed one another. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know. God bless you. If you would like to subscribe to the Seeds of Hope Reflections, just search Seeds of Hope with Father Mike in your web browser or wherever podcasts are available.